Are you in a toxic relationship, a toxic friendship, or have a bad relationship with a coworker? Dr. Heidi is here to help and educate my listeners today. I interview her on emotional abuse, warning signs of being in a toxic relationship, what questions to ask yourself, and so much more. I hope you enjoy the episode today. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Dating Talk with Keely. Well, welcome to Dating Talk with Keely. Well, thank you. This is my first guest one. Usually I'm making up my own episodes as I go. <laughs> nice. Um, do you want to tell my listeners your name, age, and what you do? Do I have to tell my age? It's no. C- no, I'm kidding. I'm totally joking. Um, so my name is Dr. Heidi Brocky, and most people know me as Dr. Heidi. I make that joke because I just say I could, can't decide which last name I want, but uh, that's a joke. Um, but most of my clients and listeners know me as Dr. Heidi and I am 47. So I have had time to learn my lessons for sure. Um, and what I do for a living, did you ask me that? Yes. Okay. What I do for a living, I am a chiropractor, acupuncturist, uh, nutritionist by trade, but I just last week announced I'm closing my wellness center of 23 years to pursue toxic relationship awareness and healing full time. So I help people whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and what we now today know as like narcissistic behavior. That's amazing. That's so cool. So what got you into this work? Well, there has to be a story behind that because nobody wants to talk about what I talk about all day. Um, I grew up, I'll keep this short. I grew up in a little, um, very small community in Montana. I was raised on a dairy farm and uh, the community was very protective. Maybe I grew up kind of just thinking everybody was good. And when I went to school, I had that same thought process and long story short, I was married and raised two kids and ran a business with um, someone who now I see as one of the most extreme emotionally abusive people I have had to deal with. So after leaving and relocating and a long, crazy story, I um, started a new chiropractic office and then started coaching. And I started coaching in a, um, a different field than toxic relationship. But as I started telling my story, I was more and more led to do the toxic relationship. And so now that's pretty much all I do is the toxic relationship. But I do it because I can relate to those people who are in it and I want to be the person that I needed when I was in it and I didn't have. Yeah, that's so important. And like, yeah, that's amazing. So when people ask you, why am I attracted to toxic people? How do you answer them? Well, I get that all the time, all the time. Um, And usually my explanation is I know we feel like we pick the wrong people. And we feel like I'll even have some people say, I feel like my picker's broken because I end up with the same bad type of person. And in reality, um, toxic people target people like us. Um, If you are kind, caring, loving, good, compassionate, an empathetic type personality is going to be a target for a toxic person because toxic people seek control, power, attention, and admiration, and they are not going to get that or achieve that with somebody who is just like them. So relax. You know, we're, you're not attracting the bad people. They are targeting you. Ah, okay. That makes sense. 
what are some of the warning signs that you are in a toxic relationship or the person you are with is or will be emotionally abusive to you? Um, well, I have written a whole program on this, so I'll just touch on a few that people could probably think of like, oh yeah, that feels like me. Um, if you are constantly, you know, dealing with the what's wrong with you, if you're hearing that everything that's wrong with you or stuff that you should fix on a continual basis, that would be what, what we call a red flag. Um, if you are fearful in the relationship, and I'm not saying fearful for your physical safety, but maybe fearful of making them mad or fearful of not doing the right thing or not getting the, everything done or fearful of being in trouble. That is another one. Um, comparisons and criticisms are a huge red flag. If you feel like you shouldn't be with your friends and family because it upsets them or it makes them make remarks, that's isolation. And so if you feel like your support system or the people closest to you are getting farther away, that would be um, something you would want to look for. Um, okay. And then, so this kind of goes along with that. What are some questions you can ask yourself if you feel like you're in a non-healthy relationship? Well, usually what I tell people, because it's, it's such a huge ocean of stuff. Um, do you feel like yourself? Could, do you feel like you can be yourself, your true self when you're with them? If you feel like you're guarding or you're changing or you're acting different or fearful of putting yourself out there, that may be something that could prompt you to think maybe this isn't the right relationship for me. Or do you feel good about yourself when you are not with them? Or are you continually, is your focus continually on them and what they're doing and what you should be doing, you know, to keep them around? Um, do they ask you to change? You know, have they asked you to change? One of the things that I changed, I changed my hair color because mm. they preferred something different. You know, or you change the, your style of clothing or you change your shoes or you change your friends or you, if they're continually asking you to change, that would be something you'd kind of want to think about. Okay. Yeah. So Maya Angelou and Oprah talk about um, when people show you or tell you who they are, believe them. Why do you think that so many people think they can change someone or they only rely on potential in someone? Well, I'm going to jump into the toxic person really quick, if that's okay. okay. Um, toxic people in general. Now, I should preface this by I use the term toxic person as kind of a blanket for anybody who may be unhealthy for you. And, and I was going to get into this in a little bit. I'm not going to sit over here and tell you, Kaylee, he is toxic or, you know, your friend is toxic. What I do in my job is I present the traits to you and you decide who's healthy for you or not. Right. So with that being said, when I say toxic person, it's just a blanket phrase. But usually um, toxic people are very concerned about their outward appearance. Um, they are very concerned about, like I said, control, power, attention and admiration. And they will do whatever they need to get what they want. And toxic people in general are a little bit insecure on the inside. None of them will admit that. So don't tell anybody that because that will cause a fight. But um, to feel secure in themselves, they want to control the people in the situations around them. So when you're talking about when people show or tell you who they are, believe them, um, that's because a toxic person is very well-spoken. 
and they have what I would call a silver tongue. So when I teach people, we have to watch their actions, not what they say, because what they say is they're only saying it to get what they want. And they can, they can promise you anything, you know, to get you to do something or get to your, you to respond to something, but they're not necessarily going to follow through with it. But we as good people want to believe them because, you know, we're honest and loyal. So we put our own character traits into them, which doesn't really work, you know, the opposite way. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, what do you tell people who say, oh, but he has so much potential or she has so much potential? Like, what do you tell them then? Well, I believe that there's people out there that are growing. You know, everybody's growing all the time. And or, and sorry, try to help sorry. people because that's sorry. our personality, right? Yeah, so if we on. just you... stick it out long enough, they're going to love us like we want them to love us. And we're going to be exactly the person that they want. But in the, what we don't, what we don't realize is that when we're waiting for them to reach their potential, they're stealing our identity and sucking ourselves out of us. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm like learning so much. <laughs> Um, Do you find a person will stick in a bad relationship purely for validation that they are worthy and more specifically worthy of marriage or the pressure to be married? Um, This is kind of a a tricky question. I believe that they stay in a bad relationship for validation. Yes. Uh, For, for marriage or being worthy of being married. uh, I deal with toxic relationships on every level. So friendships, coworkers, you know, family situations, you know, not even necessarily married, but a toxic person, because they always want attention, toxic people feel better when other people are struggling. So they like to criticize and they like to compare because they feel better when you feel worse. So the validation thing is more that you're going to be accepted. When, when, when we stay in a bad relationship, it's usually because someday we're going to be good enough and someday they're going to approve of us. But toxic people always make you miss the mark just by a little bit. You know, we try and try and try and then, oh, well, that's not really what I meant. Or, well, yeah, you tried, but now I changed my mind. And, and what they do is they throw us on this treadmill of acceptance and we run and run and run, hoping we're worthy of them. And they're never going to let us have that because as long as we're trying our attention is on them and what they need and we lose more and more of ourselves. So validation. Yes. Um, worthy of marriage, maybe in certain situations, but it's really more worthy of acceptance and being good enough is why we stay. Okay. And why do you think people go back to the toxic relationship or abuser? Um, well, I was very good at that. The going back thing. Um, there's a couple explanations for that. If we jump back a couple of questions and you said, you know, um, I was talking about what a toxic person says to get what they want. Okay. They are very good at instilling guilt and they are very good at instilling obligation. So um, if you leave a toxic relationship, um, sometimes a toxic person will engage into something we call hoovering. And hoovering is a tactic that they use to suck you back into a relationship so that they know that they have regained control, okay? And when, when a toxic person is hoovering, they will go through many different character traits. They will be nice, and if that doesn't work, they'll be mad. And if that doesn't work, they'll you know get their friends 
to gang up and, and make you feel like you're alone or just a, a lot of different tactics until they find one that will work. So that's one of the reasons that people will go back to a toxic relationship is because of the guilt and obligation. And a toxic person will absolutely exhaust you until you agree to whatever they want. So that's where I get a lot of my clients is when they're in that phase and they're just really trying to go no contact. And I just, you know, they use me as a support to, to validate to them not to go back. But one of the other reasons that people go back and maybe fall back into is because it, if you, you know how, when you walk in a room that stinks, yeah. if you stay in the room, what happens? You smell, you smell, you smell the bad smell. Yeah. But if you stay in it long enough, the smell goes away, right? Oh, right. Yes, of course. Yeah. You desensitize to it. And when you desensitize to the smell, you don't notice the smell. And the same thing happens when you are in a toxic relationship every day, you desensitize to the abuse and you desensitize to all the character traits that they're using against you. So it becomes normal to you. Right. Okay. And so when you step out, that no longer is normal life. Your normal is now being in that relationship. So that's why a lot of times we get sucked back into it. Ah, okay. Do people tend to get out of one toxic relationship and immediately jump into another one? Well, that kind of goes along. These questions are fantastic. I feel like I'm like telling the whole story. Um, oh, good. <laughs> um, people will get out of one and jump into another one. But that is a lot of times because it's become normal. If somebody was raised in a toxic environment and then say married into a toxic environment, that's all they know. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be abnormal for somebody to go from one toxic relationship to another, because if that's how they were treated growing up, what's, you know, what would make them think that this isn't the way to be treated now? Right. So that's kind of like what makes people tend to revert back to these kinds of patterns. Right. Exactly. Okay. And, um, and you know, what's on top of that is the guilt and obligation can be that also. Um, you know, when I left and my girls left, toxic people's lives are very dramatic. They're drama filled and they're, they're very chaotic there's always something going on in the life of a toxic person. And the reason they keep that chaos going is so that you always have to second guess what's going to happen next. Because if you're continually trying to stay one step ahead of them, um, they know that your attention is on them and you don't have time to have attention on yourself or anybody else that keeps you, you know, in their control. So when people, when we talk about people going back um, because you get, kind of used to that chaos and you leave a toxic environment and you go to something that's peaceful and calm, it's very uncomfortable. And if you're used to living in chaos and now you're trying to get used to living in peace, it's uncomfortable, which makes you feel like then something is wrong outside of chaos. And a lot of times that sucks you back in because you you're uncomfortable in peace. And a lot of times we're uncomfortable living with ourselves because our self-worth has been stripped away by all the criticisms and comparisons that we don't even like ourselves and we don't even know ourselves. So we end up feeling like, well, being with somebody is better than being with nobody. So you kind of revert back into it. Ah, okay. So how do you help your clients? Like what's your process? Like, is it different for each person? Tell me more about like how you educate and help. 
So because I am a chiropractor, I have done coaching in a lot of stuff for 22 years. I'm not a counselor and I'm not a therapist. So I don't treat anything, you know, like this. So what I do is I am an educator and I'll tell you when I started healing was when I started understanding my situation for what it was, because when you're standing in the middle of it, you have no idea what you're in. So what, what I did is I wrote a program and mine has 21 character traits of the toxic person. The only reason mine has 21 is because I wanted traits that I knew I had experienced so that I was teaching from a place of experience, not just standing up in front of people talking about something that I'd never gone through. So what I like to do is teach people what the character traits are so that you know what to look for. Because if you've been in a toxic environment or repetitive toxic environments, it's normal to you. And that's what we were just talking about. So I have to teach people the character traits. So as they move into new relationships and new friendships, they can spot the red flags, which is part of it. Then you have to realize that you are allowed to choose yourself. You know, not everybody has to like you. You don't have to get along with everybody. It's totally okay. If, if, you know, people don't approve of you. But when you're constantly seeking approval, we feel like everybody needs to like us. So you, when, when I take somebody through a program, it is my responsibility to make sure that they know how to spot the red flags. And then after that, you know, I'm left with people who can't order off of a menu or uh, don't know what color nail polish to pick because somebody has been making those decisions for them for years. So I go through a lot of self-discovery you know, what makes you happy? Most of my clients will say, I have no idea. Mm. What are your hobbies? I was never allowed to have any, so I don't know, you know, that kind of thing. So I walk people through the whole self-discovery. What are your values? When you're in a toxic relationship, you adopt values that aren't yours just to get along with them. And so I do, I have virtual coaching online. Um, I do individual private coaching. I have group coaching. I do um, quite a lot of education around the country. In fact, in 2020, we're taking my um, conferences to different cities in the United States. Oh, amazing. You'll have to invite me if you do New York City. Yes. Um, January, we are looking, it's not finalized, but January, we're looking at Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. um, I, I have a support group, a closed support group online. And a lot, it seemed like there was a lot of people from the uh, Pennsylvania area. So we picked that one first. And my first client ever was from Pennsylvania. So we're going to hit there first. And then, you know, depending on um, the responses we get, we'll pick the different locations from there. Amazing. Um, so let's get into toxic masculinity and narcissism. Do you find it more prevalent in today's, si today's society? And what are some warning signs of this kind of behavior? Okay. Um, as far as that goes, I'm going to um, answer this like I answer anybody who's sitting in one of my conferences and asks me um, this very same question. In my opinion, um, I don't like to throw diagnosis on people or labels on people because where I'm coming from, I'm coming from a place where um, everybody's allowed to be who they are. And we wouldn't want to ask anybody to change. We wouldn't want to ask, we want, we don't like anybody to ask us to change. 
So I don't care in the work that I do if somebody is a diagnosed narcissist, if they have bipolar disorder, if they're sociopathic, if they're, um, that makes absolutely no difference to me. And this is how I teach my clients. It is not about somebody else having a diagnosis. It's about, are they healthy for you in the state that the relationship is in? Because if we are kind, caring, loving, good people, if we find out somebody has a diagnosis, what are we going to do? We're going to feel sorry for them. We're going to feel obligated to stay, whether they're healthy for us or not. Mm. So I don't get into the character traits and the um, specifics of different diagnoses because where I'm standing, are they healthy for you or not? It doesn't really matter what they are or what if somebody's given them a diagnosis. I think the words have popped out a lot more in today's society. And I think the character traits are the same, whether we're talking about somebody who is mildly toxic or somebody who is severely toxic. I think the character traits are the, the same and it is our responsibility to know how to spot those. Okay. And that, that's how I answer. Cause I'm not going to point fingers at anybody because there is a lot of toxic people, but it doesn't mean that the toxic people are bad people. Right. Of course. So yeah. I hate to, you know, so I hate to label people like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm, since this is a dating podcast, I want to get into like your best date and your worst date. But if before we do that, is there anything else that I missed question wise that you think is important? Um, I think the most important thing about the work that I do is um, learning how to choose yourself outside of the influences that other people have on you. And um, one thing that I didn't answer, you said, is this more prevalent in today's society? I think so because social media has done this. For people who need the attention and admiration, you know, technology has brought that to a forefront. So I think, you know, the talk about toxic people is a lot bigger. And so people that are empathetic and people that are caring and that are, you know, I, I don't, I'm going to say people pleasers, but I don't mean that derogatory people that like helping other people are the ones that are a target. So it's, that's the premise that I go on. Just, you need to, you are not going to change a toxic person. The only thing you can do is change how a toxic person affects you. And I think there's so many uh, relationships out there. Well, they're just waiting for them to change, or I know they'll change. If I just try hard enough, they're going to change. Toxic people don't change. Toxic people are looking for a reaction out of you. That's why they pick fights. That's why they give you the silent treatment. That's why they make you feel bad about yourself because they want a reaction. As soon as you react, whether you cry or you get mad or you, you know, stomp out of the room, they know immediately they have control over your emotions. That is an emotional abuser. And so I have gotten very good at predicting toxic people's behavior. I've seen a lot of it. I've watched a lot of it. I've lived a lot of it. So I kind of get into the mind of the toxic person. So when I see something happen, I know what they're after. And that's how I help my clients. They'll text me, this is happening. This is the text I got. What does it mean? And what should I say? Because the toxic person is wanting a reaction out of you. When you give them a reaction, they know they're winning. 
So a lot of times what I'll do is we'll reword stuff and you do everything very unreactive. And toxic people train you to react. So I basically untrain you to react is, is more, you know, how I go about my working. Because when you're in a toxic relationship and you go back to toxic relationships, it's all about programming. They program you to react a certain way so they can get what they want. So it's unprogramming. So for people, listeners that are listening and you're thinking, this lady is talking to me, don't feel like it's hopeless because you have just been programmed and it's, it's merely an unprogramming and a changing the way you think about yourself and your self-worth and the value that you put into the world. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for educating me and my listeners. <laughs> um, so yeah. So since this is a dating podcast, I wanted to ask you like, what's the best date you ever went on? Well, I knew you were going to ask me this actually. Uh, I am not, I was never a good dater, which is, which is what got me in the problem in the first place. I didn't really like to date. So I would let people talk me into going on a date and then I hated it. Um, not that I didn't date. I had a serious boyfriend in high school. Um, and so when I knew you were going to ask me this, the only thing I could go back to was I compare the first date with my first husband and the first time I met the man that I'm married to now. And it was so 100% totally opposite. I have no idea why I ended up 15 years with the first one. And so it's because okay. when I look back, there was red flags from the first phone call all the way through the end of the first date. And me just, I just wanted to be accepted. I just wanted him to like me. You know, he said all the right things. He liked everything about me. And I just hook, line and sinker thought this is the best person on the planet. Well, very quickly, I started noticing, you know, um, things that didn't add up. And I worked very hard at the relationship and worked very hard at myself. And so that was a 15 year date. Now I oh, wow. next week have been married for seven years to the man who actually saved me from my first relationship. Um, and it is 180 degrees opposite. I could not find one thing that warned me about this guy. And so when you say best and worst date, I'm sure I had a couple bad mornings that I woke up and was like, in my younger years, like that was not a good thing. But when I say worst date and best date, it was contrast was definitely the first day I met my first husband and the first day I met my second husband. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense for sure. Um, so why don't you tell my listeners about your podcast and what inspired you to start a podcast? Uh, well, my podcast was kind of funny. It was unplanned. Uh, when I decided I was going to go into this full force and drop, you know, I was, I was coaching in meal plans and I was coaching in exercise and I was coaching in accountability and, you know, like every coach coaches, cause everybody's a coach, right? Um, when I decided I was going to drop all of that to go 100% into the toxic relationship, I knew I had to start learning how to tell my story and how to speak. So I thought if I start a podcast, I'm going to be able to talk without having to face people and I'll be able to just start getting my story out because it's difficult to talk about something you've stuffed down your whole life. And so when my, um, 
when I started the podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. So if any of you guys go and listen to my first podcast and I hit, I am at 67,000 listeners. Yes, oh, wow. but it's the content. It is not anything that I'm doing. So my, my podcast is called, it's not normal. It's toxic. And it, you can find it on, um, anchor and it's on all the major platforms just like yours but really what inspired me is for me just to start telling my story to the world because um, it was something that I was not allowed to tell right well that's and then I just my my social media is just coaching with Dr. Heidi both on Instagram and Facebook and my website is coaching with Dr. Heidi okay well that's awesome thank you so much for doing yes thank you for having me of course. And I will definitely be. Okay. Fine. Thanks. Have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. Bye.